Hello and good morning from the Album Nerd Studios. This is Dude, and I got with me Andy in his Album Nerd Studio. How you doing, my man? What up, brother? Doing pretty well. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, what's good with you, man? Everything's good. Oh, good. good you know, I had a, had a great weekend just laying around, which was wonderful. It's been so cold. What else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Dude, we have... This is no joke. We have at least three feet of snow on the ground right now in upstate New York. And it's still snowing. It's just been snowing the last three days nonstop. Yeah, we seem to have nonstop snow, but it doesn't seem to get more than... Maybe we're at a of accumulation in the untouched areas. Maybe a foot, foot is that and a half. Maybe. I was thinking you're, you're colder than we are. Getting more well, we've been here. really cold, so maybe that's part of why the snow we've been getting has been that kind of blow away kind. Oh, you know? yeah. yeah. But we go for walks in the woods and uh, trails and stuff, and sometimes go off book. And when you're slogging through that stuff, that's a good calf <laughs> workout, I'll tell you. Nothing like getting super sweaty when it's seven degrees outside. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> weird. You're like, part of your ears are frozen, but you're like sweating, yeah. like, like you're in a gym or something. How are you, so besides the snow, how you how you guys doing? Uh, you know, we're going a little stir-crazy. We usually go away this time of year to someplace warm and tropical, which we cannot this year. So I think uh, we've been watching a lot of uh, tropical movies lately. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, like Weekend at Bernie's, maybe? Uh, it is in our queue, actually. <laughs> okay. My wife has never seen that. I'm going to indoctrinate her oh. into that <laughs> classic movie. <laughs> She's either going to see the goodness because it's so bad or she's gonna leave you yeah i'm a little i'm a little concerned actually because yeah. last time i saw it i was like probably eight and uh yeah i feel like it's probably not actually that good of a movie but we'll see yeah I, i've got an idea for you for a tropical thing uh the house my parents have now the they when my parents moved in they kept finding under the carpet there was sand down in the basement Weird. apparently the people who owned it before it had a winter beach party where they hauled a bunch of sand <laughs> into their basement and oh, 20 wow. years later there was still grit under the carpet so you could try that fill your basement with sand and uh have a beach party that sounds awesome for about three hours um the castle like love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be the cheap way to do it i'll just fill the basement with a lot of cat litter yeah. You could call it Poo Poo Beach, and uh, <laughs> I managed to bring it to poop within three minutes of starting the show. Yeah, that's about about the usual. So, Album Nerds Podcast, Andy, get us on track. Uh, yeah, well, you know, it's Album Nerds Podcast. In case you're new here, we uh, basically recommend records. We just talk about the things that we like, try to get the other guy to, uh, to buy in on our taste, sometimes successfully, oftentimes not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when you bounce stuff out, it's like a show and tell, right? It is a show it's, and tell. It's for yeah. the listeners, right? Uh, hey, I recommend this album. But for each other, we're curious about, I mean, we've been doing talking about music for 15 years or something, the two of us, and yeah. we don't always like the other guy's stuff. That's not the point. The point is I still value your opinion, and I think that's good for people to hear that kind of conversation with yeah. two different perspectives. Likewise, brother. We do have pretty different tastes, but uh, we do have some common ground. And occasionally one of us will cross over and agree that something we don't normally listen to is has value. Yeah. It's usually you admitting that uh, something I picked is awesome. 
<laughs> well, let's see how it goes here, buddy. Hey, let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So shall we jump in and, and play our, our new release recommendations here? Yes, sir. All right. So I'm first up today. We're going to be talking about a pick that came out in January of 2021 from a UK artist by the name of Celeste. This is her debut record. Um, I would say she falls into the R&B slash pop genre. We're going to play a cut from towards the beginning of the record. This is Tell Me Something I Don't Know. So this is Celeste's debut record. She was born in the U.S., but grew up in the U.K. And this is where she written, wrote and recorded this record along with producer Jamie Hartman. It takes kind of a classical R&B style and gives a bit of a modern twist. I heard this record, a singles from this record, teased multiple times throughout 2020 and was kind of digging what I heard. Um, but the record was delayed, I guess, quite a few times because of the pandemic and whatnot last year. Finally came out at the beginning of this year, and uh, it's been doing pretty well. She's the first female to debut at the top of the UK charts in the last five years, so good for her. I think it's a pretty enjoyable record. I was a little surprised how much I kind of was taken with it, because it's a little outside of my comfort zone in terms of listening to this type of, almost like adult contemporary type music, I guess you could say. Yeah, so I've been enjoying it, dude, buddy. Friend of mine, thoughts, initial impression. I I enjoyed her voice quite a bit. I liked it all in all. I mean, uh, it was long. Uh, what's this with the deluxe edition? Right, this is a brand new album. Why? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was like all a right. thousand songs. So I'd like to know where it's supposed to end. I, I yeah, that's the only version I have on on Spotify. At least is the deluxe version, which is an hour and twenty minutes long. It's ridiculous. Uh, I believe the. The proper album would be the first 12 tracks. Okay. Once you get to uh, Father's Son from there on out, I believe is just kind of like the deluxe part. Okay. Which, I, which is okay, but I, I wasn't really counting that as part of our part of our review or critique here. There's a lot of like live cuts and things from other projects and stuff sprinkled in here, which are fine. Um, but I think the heart of the record, the first dozen songs, is really beautiful and for the most part, top-notch there's a lot of uh lushness to the production it's a mm -hmm. fairly warm record at times it reminded me a little bit of what we liked about michael kiwanuka though i wouldn't say it's it's as warm or nostalgic or like 70s drenched as as perhaps some no. of his music is no it isn't i mean i think you know we both could probably agree that it's adele-esque at times yes definitely my favorite tracks tended to be like Ideal Woman, Strange, Not Your Muse were my favorites. Those were the ones that were the most stripped down mm, mm -hmm. and least pop-ish sounding without the beats. There's more strings and piano and stuff, which I thought fit her voice the best. I mean, I heard Sade in there. Okay, yeah. Some Erica Badu tonations. 
Totally. She's a great singer. And Adele. So I'm comparing her to three great singers. I mean, that's that's good. Two of which are British also. <laughs> so <laughs> Right. I think she does kind of have that British quality to her voice. I can't yes. quite put a finger on what it is, but whatever that Adele has, it's she kinda has it too. But yeah, I would say that it's like Adele, but maybe with a little more R and B focused than maybe Adele. It's a little bit more pop, yes. I guess. Yes. I, um, I agree. But all in all, I mean uh, something I'll certainly recommend to people in my life that uh like pleasant sounding <laughs> songs about love and relationships. I mean, yeah, that's what that's what primary is about. I think it's pretty accessible, pretty catchy. I think by the second time I got through it, humming along with some of the songs, which doesn't happen too often, so it's a good sign that you're working with a good producer and writing some pretty some pretty catchy tracks here. So, yeah, if you want, you know, maybe don't bite off the the full uh, was it 22 tracks here, but first dozen or so i think are are pretty solid and you know it's always nice to hear just some quality music coming out of like the mm-hmm. more publicly accessible genres so i think yeah. uh, i think this qualifies i agree i i like it when something like this has the potential to be incredibly popular mm-hmm. same with adele i really respect adele's music and her voice and it's the same kind of thing where you know there are a lot of pop singers out there that I don't care for their vibe, you know, right. who who they're presenting as and having to have a million dancing people with them in weird costumes instead <laughs> of I could this this person, you know, Celeste, I could see performing and playing and singing, not uh dancing around with 12 other people with tiaras on or whatever, you know? And and that's yeah. just me. I like it when that kind of stuff is popular. It kind of brings us, it evens things out, you know? Brings people down a little bit from ridiculous expectations of uh, watching a circus. Just listen to the music. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying, man. She seems very focused on the music, and she did a lot of the writing and all the, all the singing on this record here. So she seems like a pretty good talent. So once again, uh, Celeste, the album is Not Your Muse. Came out in January of this year. Uh, give, it a, give it a check out. Okay, so we're going to jo- go from a new artist to a band that is celebrating their 25th anniversary. Wow. I know. It's, it's gross. <laughs> it's been 25 years. It's the Foo Fighters. The album is Medicine at Midnight, and the track is Medicine at Midnight. So that was the Foo Fighters, or sometimes called the Fighters of Foo, with Medicine at Midnight from their 2021 10th studio album, Medicine at Midnight. Andy, before we get into all this, all I want you to say is yucky or not yucky. Those are my only two choices. Uh, I would say not too yucky. Yay, okay. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Andy and I have gone back and forth on the Foo Fighters over the years. He thinks they're inconsistent and he's right, but I love them nonetheless. 
They've been around since 1994. Dave Grohl, drummer of Nirvana, formed his own band after Kurt Cobain uh, left us. So this album was also delayed due to COVID stuff. That was the trend. Yeah, it was supposed to come out in 2020. It was recorded in early 2020. And they kept sitting on it and trying to decide what to do with it. Now, this is a little different. It's a little groovier than the Food Fighters typically do. It is. It's a bit of a switch up. And Concrete and Gold, the album before, was sort of moving toward, it was more 70s, 60s, 70s rock um, influences, but it was moving more toward a poppy sound, I thought, at least on some of the songs. So this doesn't completely surprise me. It was produced by the Foo Fighters and Greg Kirsten, who produced Concrete and Gold. He's got pop sensibilities. Mm-hmm. It's 36 minutes, so it's nice and short. Yep. It's fun. It sounds like the Foo Fighters for the most part, but you've got little flourishes, 80s sort of synthy sounds and different kinds of drum beats. I think Medicine at Midnight itself may be referring to the Medicine at Midnight is dancing because it can cure your, you know, yeah. your bad feelings. I, I'm not sure. Just dance it out, but there's, Dave Girl. Dance it out. Yes. I mean, you know, you're still here. You're successful. It's time to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, dance. well, you know, he's earned it. I would, I would agree. So they've, uh, Dave Grohl particularly has been quoted as saying that this is um, their attempt at uh, Let's Dance, which was a David Bowie album uh, from 1983, where that, that, that was the inspiration to kind of, David Bowie kind of changed sounds and went pop, like really pop. And that's kind of what, you know, they didn't go all the way. This, this still sounds like a Foo Fighters album. I mean, you know, <laughs> but they're inspired by that feeling of, hey, let's let's get some groove in here. Let's mix some dance beats in here and do something that's it's not a dance album, but something that's you can shake your tail feathers to. And it was also, they pictured playing these songs while touring to celebrate their 25th anniversary. Of course, that hasn't happened. Gotcha. Okay. What is your, what's your take on the album? Any, any standout tracks, opinions, et cetera? Um, well, my first take was, what is going on here? <laughs> there was all sorts of percussion I would never expected to have heard in a Foo Fighters record, along with, you know, the opening cut there has a bunch of, like female na 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 vocals in the chorus. That's, his, his, uh, that's Dave Grohl's daughter is, is in there. No kidding. No, that's nice. Uh, never would expect to hear that on a Free Fires record. So definitely give him props for doing something different. Like I, in the spirit of, uh, you know, Let's Dance, I think they did really take a sharp right turn here. So that's cool. I think it is fun. Um, I don't know if every track is like a home run necessarily, but I think there are some pretty good songs here. And there's even a couple that are maybe more traditional foo yeah. that I think are, you know, maybe more in lines with the last couple of records in terms of their sonic quality. Uh, so that's not a bad thing. I, overall, I was, I was pretty positive on it. So Yeah, I wasn't sure how you were going to go on this because it is... Either I see reviews where people love it and think it's brilliant and uh, ambitious, and then other people that just shit all over it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a few of those too. <laughs> the Foo Fighters are not; their lyrics are not always the strongest suit. I mean, Dave Grohl has a talent for catchy lyrics that 
can be very memorable and um, he has some great lyrical songs, but that's not what their they, their sound is more about their music and his voice. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, No Son of Mine's my favorite song on the album. Surprise, surprise. It's the hard hardest song on it. Yeah. A little more traditional. Foo. The screamiest. Yeah. And, but, uh, but you still enjoy the more poppy songs, like, yeah. uh, the one we just played there, or like Cloud Spotter is kind of like a really upbeat yeah. song for them. I liked, I liked the whole album. I really did. Uh, Chasing Birds, the ballad. Yeah. A little, I don't know. It wasn't, I don't, it felt like trying to do a John Lennon thing and it didn't quite make it for me. But it was okay. And I like the closer Love Dies Young had that kind of 80s wee you wee you wee you kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like the whole thing. I enjoy it. It's fun. It's in my top 10 of Foo Fighters albums for sure. Top 10? Oh, nice. <laughs> just, just, just made the cut. <laughs> well, they have 10 albums, so uh, I like them all. This is probably would end up floating somewhere in the middle. Um lower middle i mean there's a lot of albums where the foo fighters have a couple of really strong tracks and then yeah the rest is is foo fightery so i love the band it's i'm gonna love the album well yeah i you know i i love dave girl as a human being i think he's a cool guy so i'm always you know it's always cool to just kind of see what his perspective is on where rock music should go because i feel like he kind of has that gravitas that he can direct the genre a bit and this is kind of an interesting notion from him i was really worried the debut single was shame shame which in the context of the album is a fine song but when they played it on saturday night live as the first new song i'm hearing from this album i'm like oh god (laughs) because it's not fun i mean it's it's a good song and once i heard it with the rest but when i thought that That was what the album was going to sound like i was worried yeah yeah, well, so it sounds like we're both more or less positive on this. Yeah, I'm surprised you are. I, I thought you were going to just go with some of the highfalutin critics and be like, whoa, whoa, lyrics are don't Like you said, it's not about the lyrics. It's more about the vibe and just the, the fun. It sounds like they're having fun, and I had fun listening to it. I wasn't taking it too seriously. So Once again, the Foo Fighters are back on the Album Nerds podcast. They will continue to be as long as I'm doing this damn thing. Is this three records in a row we've reviewed? Or four? They put a lot of material lately. I think we've covered. We've, we've only covered two. Oh, God. Is but I've one? brought up Concrete and Gold multiple times, and I bring yes. them up a lot. <laughs> it feels like we talk about them every episode. You know what? We maybe, maybe we talked about one of their older albums, too. I don't know. Anyway, that's Who Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> Go check them out. Their newest album, Medicine at Midnight. It's the Foo Fighters with little, little call them the Fun Fighters. The Fun Fighters. I think they did find the fun. Good for them. Yeah. All right, brother. Let's uh, let's dig into our collection here and talk about some old dogs. Old dogs. All right. So for my old dog selection, we're going back to December 1975. All right, talking about a record put out by Fela Kute and the Africa 70 uh, called Expensive Shit. There's two cuts on the record. We're going to play a snippet from the first one. This is the title track, Expensive Shit. Expensive <laughs> Shit. 
Alright, so this was the 25th full length put out by Falakute and his musicians are one in a series of records put out in the early to mid 70s, um, which kind of all fit into this vibe in general format. I would call Afrobeat. Does that sound right to you, man? Sure. I read yeah. that uh, he pioneered the Afrobeat he, sound. He did. He did. He was largely responsible for that creation of the genre, along with uh, Tony Allen, who was his drummer, also um, very influential in creating this this vibe. It's kind of a mix of like what I'd call like American funk and jazz, along with a African uh, genre called high life, which involves a lot of jazzy horns and guitars. Fella plays uh, saxophone as well as play or well as uh, piano and sings on all the tracks here as well. Big part of the sound it has to do with with those two guys. But uh, anyway, what's what's your? Have you heard of him before? Um, what's your general vibe? I don't have any background on it. Never heard of it before. To that I remember, I did listen. I did enjoy the sounds. I did not, however, have any context for what it's about or um, the reasoning behind the music. It just sounds celebratory to me. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Just sounded like celebratory world music that was enjoyable to listen to. It was it. Nothing beyond that. No deep. I don't have any like aha moments. It just was nice to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of the general vibe for this series of records he put out. They have very similar musical qualities to them. Um, this one I thought was particularly interesting because of the story behind it. So, Felicute is from Nigeria. A country, especially in the 70s, that was known for the corruption, especially among the uh, police force. At the time, uh, the Nigerian police planted a marijuana cigarette, or what we might call a joint, on Fela to try to uh, get him to go to prison. Fela proceeded to eat the joint, as the story goes, and then was held in custody until he was able to reproduce it, if you know what I mean, in his poop. So you're bringing us back to poop from the beginning. <laughs> it, of the all show. Comes full, it all comes full <laughs> circle. <man. laughs> uh, as the story goes, a fella supposedly traded feces with a fellow inmate as he was being held, and uh, thus was let off scot free for the crime he didn't commit. But it was kind of a nice way to stick it to the Nigerian police department. Yeah, stick it to the police department by handling another man's poop. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the real winner or loser was there. Although, again, it, I don't know how serious uh, those crimes were treated either. So it may have been worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were just trying to get him on anything because he was kind of viewed as a revolutionary force and he was stirring up a lot of trouble, well, for the government and police force. But really, it was unifying the Nigerian people to kind of push back against some of the uh, intolerances. Anyway, interesting story for that particular track. Pretty funny that you'd go on to write a song, you know, and call it Expensive Shit. It's called Expensive Shit because the government spent a fair amount of money to set up this whole scheme and then it just kind of went to shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
All right, so there is a kind of interesting format here. So it's got really just two tracks on the record, but they're both, you know, 10 plus minutes long. Uh, they're pretty long, intricate jams. So why don't we play a cut from the second track, which is entitled Water No Get Enemy. Special taste of water, no good enemy. Uh, really interesting song. Might be my actually my favorite of the two on the record here. I think the message here, as opposed to kind of like more poking fun at the Nigerian government and expensive shit, water no got no enemy is more of a kind of like a universal message, um, saying that things in nature like water, you know, are universally loved and accepted by everybody. Why can't we just love and accept? humans in the same way especially you know women were kind of looked down upon in in nigeria at this time as second-class citizens um so fellow was kind of just a message of brotherhood and and equality um and it's got a great really great groove like the first seven or eight minutes are just instrumental and it builds up to this great pace and then that's about where we kicked in there comes in with the the really catchy repetitive uh uh, chorus there, Water No Good Enemy. Really, really enjoyed that track specifically. But yeah, really interesting sounds and just very infectious grooves. Interesting guy. If you haven't dug into his history at all, he's a, quite the character. Actually, the reason this kind of came up on my radar was his son, or maybe his grandson, uh, just put out a record in 2021 called Legacy Plus. Ah. I wondered. I wondered how you came across this. I've always been a fan. Enjoyed his work, but it was a good chance to kind of dig back into his catalog. And I think expensive shit. If you're if you're new to him, it's I think it's one of his stronger top to bottom records. Both tracks are pretty killer. Uh, so if you can find a copy of it, I would highly recommend it. It's uh, there's some really great grooves, and you can hear elements of of jazz and funk like you might expect from more traditional American music kind of in the mix there so all right so that's uh felicute expensive shit is the record came out in december 1975 check it out if you can uh, find a copy nearby i think it's a pretty compelling listen thank you andy and now i'm gonna bring up the foo fighters again because oh it's been at least five minutes yeah it's it has time. as dave Grohl mentioned that this was the their their new album was their let's dance by david bowie i thought hey let's talk about Let's Dance by David Bowie, and we're going to start with the track. Andy, wild guess. Oh, uh, just get on a limb here. Maybe Let's Dance? Wow, you are good. Here we go. <laughs> That was Let's Dance by David Bowie from the 1983 album Let's Dance. That was his fifth, 15th studio album by 
English singer-songwriter David Bowie, who is known the world over, all of his various characters, Iggy Stardust and Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> Iggy Pop was on the brain. Uh, Ziggy Stardust <laughs> and uh, Aladdin Sane and all that, the the glam, the makeup, the the crazy art, artsy sort of songs. Yeah. And this was his big breakthrough pop rock sensation. Huge when I was a kid, young youngster. This was David Bowie to me. Andy, um, just quick thoughts on, on the album. Do you listen to it before? Uh, yeah, I would hear it before. Um, I think like the first three songs, maybe four, are awesome. I think it's pretty hard not to have heard them anywhere in the world. I would imagine they're pretty popular. And it was great to hear those. David Bowie's performance, especially on Let's Dance, is awesome. Yeah. I love that sound of his voice. Yeah, no, me too. It's, I mean, it's super over the top, but it totally works in this case. <laughs> this was produced by Nile Rogers. You familiar with him? Yeah, yeah, from uh, Chic. Yes, and he's produced like a gazillion things, including uh, Like a Virgin for Madonna, uh, Diana Ross, Duran Duran. The list is huge, and um, he brought the groove to yeah. this. Well, he did. Yeah. And and Bowie just wanted to make a dance album, like a pop dance album. Most of the songs were written for this album. There were three covers, but the covers were songs that he had been involved in the writing or production of, I believe. Yeah. So I think the most notable one would be China Girl, the second cut, right? Yes. Which was, I think, co-written by David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Is that right? Yes. And it was on Iggy Pop's debut solo album you know what let's just jump into it China Girl's my next song let's play a little bit okay. we're going to talk about it All right, so that was China Girl uh, by David Bowie from the Let's Dance album that we're talking about. All right, so now we got a taste. He's got that sinewy voice there, but then he brings up brings up the noise, and I love yeah. the vocals on this. Just a oh, great vocal too. performance. So you like this song, yeah? Yeah, I think, I think coming back to it, this was a song that stuck out to me the most. Uh, maybe it kind of overlooked in his discography a little bit. Yeah, really cool. Interesting story about... It's actually about a woman from Vietnam, I believe, that Iggy Pop was kind of infatuated with. Wrote the song about, but the song, if you read the lyrics, it's more about like taking over a culture, imperialism sort of vibe is what I, what I would got from it. Uh, sort of like exploitation of a culture. So yes, it's about, a, you know, maybe a crush or uh, infatuation with the Chinese woman. Um, but I think it's very much from a Western perspective and uh, it's, it's interesting. I think it, it's, uh, you know, when I hear him play it, man, I, I think of the Iggy Pop version and I almost feel bad, like for Iggy Pop in a way, cause he's such a talented songwriter and so influential. And I feel like he kind of got brushed under the rug a little bit writing songs like this. Like, I don't know if anybody, does anybody even know that this was an Iggy Pop song? Who They just like, Oh yeah, 
David Bowie. I know that song, sure. So to what you were saying, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know if it's unfair, but Niall, Niall Rogers wanted to, they went back to, hey, what songs could we use from, from your previous catalog? And that was among them. And yeah. it's awesome. Um, and we haven't mentioned good. yet, like, Let's Dance, the groove, the bluesiness, the guitar. We haven't talked uh, about yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan being the, the right. lead guitarist on this album. Uh, it was shortly before his debut album came out. And that's just an awesome little tidbit. I mean, you yeah. can hear the blues in it, but it's just it's fun to hear when an artist that's so known for a particular sound is a session musician playing, doing stuff on right. other uh, artists' albums, but you can hear it there if you know to look for it. I wouldn't know it just by listening to the album, though. It's a dope. It's a dope solo at the end of the track there. Um, but as much as we talked up, especially the first half of the record, I think we should at least yes. touch on some of the the B side and maybe some moments where it's not quite as memorable as as the A side. It is interesting how packed that A side is. Modern Love, huge hit. China Girl, huge hit. Let's Dance, huge hit. Right? Boom, boom, boom. Totally. One, two, three. Yeah. You're at 11 by the time you get to track four. <laughs> yes. I liked side B. I thought Ricochet was really cool. So Ricochet sort of sounded like 70s Bowie, right? Yeah, I like Ricochet. Uh, Cat People was recorded in 1981 by Bowie and Giorgio Marauder, Marauder as part of the theme song for the 1982 film Cat People. Bowie didn't like the original version and asked Rogers if they could remake it for the album. It kind of doesn't. 100% fit, but yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. But David Bowie was a, was a weird cat, so I, I'm okay yeah, with it. That's true. And Shake It, I thought, was a good closer. I enjoyed yes. Shake It. Yeah, I think, yeah. Ricochet and Shake It were the two on the B-side that I thought were, like, passable. The rest, I really have a hard time remembering even what Criminal World sounds like. I've listened to it a couple dozen times. Well, what's cool about this album and, and bo uh, all of these albums, really, I mean, except for your first choice, which is very long, but for the most part, these are shorties. And like when I was preparing for the show with Medicine at Midnight and Let's Dance, what a pleasure to listen to two 30-minute albums over and over <laughs> again that are fun, that have memorable moments, sing along stuff. Yeah. And, you know, with Bowie, it's the, the memories too, where that defined him. Like later in the 80s, it'd be, you know, I'd hear Golden Years or, or some older David Bowie song and be like, people would say, oh, that's David Bowie. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the old David Bowie, not the cool new one, you know? Because <laughs> I was, my age range, the 80s were the cool. Right, stuff. right. You know, like uh, me and my friends at the same time, like Stevie Nicks was cool, but Fleetwood Mac was old people stuff, you know, <laughs> but it was the same person. <laughs> you know? It's funny how that happens. Yeah, it is funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was his most commercially successful record I'd yes. to date. I mean, uh, led to some frustration after the fact. I mean, huge, yeah. huge, huge fame, extra fame from this. Right. And then the follow up albums. We're chasing that and pandering is what he has, had said that it was after that he felt like he was pandering to audiences to try and make pop hits. He called yeah. them his Phil Collins years. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Phil. I love Phil Collins and, and, and the Genesis with the Phil Collins era. So I don't really appreciate that too much, but that's what apparently that's what David Bowie said. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, tying us back to the Foo Fighters record a little bit, it is yeah. 
it was a huge seismic shift it just in for david bowie but also for the music industry it happened yes. after this record um or was kind of in the middle of this record when it came out in 83 do you predict a similar shift in rock music for the 2020s i don't i don't i i I think that in the state of rock music, there are too many fans like myself that will cling to things that sound like rock. We don't. There's already dance music, and maybe maybe there'll be maybe pop music will become more rock influenced, which would be fine with me. Mm-hmm. Maybe find some stuff, but I don't think that this that the, the medicine at midnight is a game changing. Um, shift for the Foo Fighters in particular. I'm not going to say for all of music, and I'm not going to say that David Bowie changed music. He jumped into what was happening and did it really well with with, uh, Nile Rodgers. I mean, they just nailed it. It's a synth pop album with hardly any keyboard sounds. They got it right, and uh, Foo Fighters are playing around with different stuff, and they're going to do something different on the next (laughs) one, and that's just kind of where they are. So I wouldn't... I, I get how taking that as an inspiration, but right. it isn't It isn't a seismic move like this was. To us at the time, this was the real David Bowie, not that Ziggy Stardust weird stuff. This was him. <laughs> well, you're part of a new generation here yes. that was kind of just being introduced to him at this point. Um, exactly. And it was awesome. We should do more David Bowie on the show, I think. We should. Uh, I meant to mention, I'm a little disappointed that we've only really talked about his final album he's got so much so much good stuff we should do some 70s Billy maybe in the future for sure take that up and which I've come to really love and and respect as I grew up and had access to that stuff yeah me too me too but uh, anyway future episode maybe we'll we'll dig in what's uh, what's your favorite David Bowie record yeah listening audience would be curious to know maybe we can uh, feature it on an upcoming episode and if, if you haven't heard Let's Dance go listen to it I think you'll have fun. And if you haven't heard it in a long time, go listen to it. You'll definitely have fun. (laughs) So, David Bowie, Let's Dance, 1983. Awesome stuff. Word up. Good pick, man. All right. That's going to do it for our show today. What did you think of these records? You can leave us a note at uh, podcastalbumnerds.com or got Brand Spank a new voicemail. You can leave us your voice message. We'd love to hear from you at 585-210-2454. Subscribe to and download the show in all the usual places. Spotify is a really good spot. Um, we enjoy the Spotify. And if you're not a Spotify person but an Apple Podcast person, why don't you leave us a review? Why don't you give us five stars? Why don't you say something special about the album nerds? We'd really, really appreciate it. And make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at album nerds. Word up. One last quick thing. If you want to toss us a few bones to support the show, we'd really appreciate it. Just go to albumnerds.com slash support. That's money, please, yeah. not bones. That'd be <laughs> gross. Take anything. It's like anything at this point, really. <laughs> a bunch of old femur. chicken wings in the mail. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. We'll be back again in two weeks with a couple more album recommendations for your listening pleasure. So then stay safe and keep warm. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.